Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. When Donald Trump ran for president, one of his rallying cries was to drain the swamp. The reason this resonated with so many is that Washington, D.C. is a place where many individuals know each other and oftentimes coordinate and conspire together for common goals. Well, since Washington, D.C. is over 90% Democratic, those goals often align. But there has been some swamp draining, (laughs) and some of that coordination is now coming to light. So oftentimes, when you drain a swamp, you find interesting things that were supposed to stay hidden. Today, we look at two nightmare investigations for the Democrats that are exposing some real troubling facts about the Clintons, the Bidens, and others. In an article from Ben Johnson from the Daily Wire, he says that while allegations of presidential candidate Donald Trump uh, colluding with Russia dominated the news over the last four years, Information about John Durham's criminal probe into the the investigation is hard to come by. Most news organizations that devoted hours of coverage to every detail and angle of the Steele dossier have had little to say about Durham's investigation into the origins of Crossfire Hurricane. While few legacy media outlets have questioned the prosecutor's intentions or integrity. Yet Durham's legal filings, including two highly detailed indictments, carry a total of six charges, paint a picture of elites engaging in casually cynical manipulation, criminal concealment, and deep deception of the American people for political gain. Democratic insiders uh, allegedly ginned up evidence of phony scandals and asked their friends to investigate. Others reportedly used their access to government information to further anti-Trump investigations. Still others simply fabricated reports and lied to federal agents about their sources, all with the hopes of career advancement and financial gain. Here are the facts buried inside his volumes, legal findings. First of all, the investigation comes under investigation. (laughs) In May of 2019, then Attorney General Bill Barr appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham of Connecticut to find out how the Obama-era federal investigation into Russian collusion, known as Crossfire Hurricane, had gone so far astray. Barr evaluated Durham uh, and and elevated him to special prosecutor for the following October. Now, for more than a year, Durham worked so quietly that some Republicans, including this one, (laughs) wondered if he was doing anything at all. And then in the fall of 2021, Durham indicted two people. And we covered that here on the podcast. And, And he pried open the sordid backroom process for public scrutiny and legal uh, uh, consumption. Durham indicted two people, 
He indicted Michael Sussman, an attorney at the high-powered Perkins Coie Law Firm, and Igor Danichenko. Uh, he's, he's a Russian-born uh, researcher who helped produce the, the Steele dossier. Both stand accused of lying to federal investigators. But Durham's exceptionally detailed legal briefs paint a deeper picture of abusing federal contracts and sensitive data, lying to officials, and weaponizing the U.S. justice system for personal advancement. But does their indictments hit a, a, a broader issue yet? Well, did a, did a contractor spy on the White House, for instance? One of the most explosive things made from Durham's indictments concerns the role of federal uh, contractors searching non-public information about phone and internet usage, including the executive office of the president, believe it or not. The um, complicated facts require some, some parsing. And Sussman had, had represented a, a tech executive who is now retired. His name was Rodney uh, Jaffe. And, and he, since, since February of 2015, um, he, he, uh, uh, he was with the democratic national committee. Um, and, and he retired, I believe it was April of 2016. Now concerning the, uh, the alleged hacking into its email server, uh, he comes into play in July of 2016, a computer researcher named tea leaves. <laughs> that's, that's what he's named. He's nicknamed that. Uh, claimed to have found particular domain name system. That's a DNS data linked Russia's uh, largest private bank, uh, Alpha Bank, to a, a a Trump email domain. Now Joffe soon told Sussman about the data linking the two, and a new conspiracy was born. <laughs> Over the ensuing weeks, and as part of their uh, lawyer-client relationship, Sussman, Jaffe, then Perkins Coie attorney Mark Elias, and individuals acting on behalf of the Clinton campaign sought to share information about the Russian bank data with, with the media and, and others, claiming that it demonstrated the existence of a secret communications channel between uh, the, the Trump organization and Alpha Bank. I think we all saw all kinds of coverage of this on the news. Now, to, to, to further the narrative, Jaffe used sensitive data that, that he had accessed through a, a federal con, contract as part of the process of awarding, uh, awarding the, the taxpayer-funded contract. A university that Jaffe did business with had earlier uh, accessed a federal government DNS data, including that of the executive office of president. Basically, they spied on the president. According to Durham, Jaffe exploited his access to non-public data at multiple internet companies to conduct opposition research con concerning Trump. Now, entrusted with the federal data, he used it to settle political scores. In August, Jaffe told an internet company to rigorously investigate six people close to Trump. Quote, the Trump associates list contains uh, contain detailed personal information for these individuals, including, for example, 
their names, home addresses, personal email addresses, business names, business websites, and email domains, suspected IP addresses for those domains, and information pertaining to the spouse of one of these associates. That is what Durham wrote. He provided the company with such detailed information that in a list of six people, it ran five pages. That company had another firm search its non-public information, and while employees at the third company felt uncomfortable about doing this job, like I would too, Durham wrote, they did so because Joffe, quote, was a powerful figure at both companies, unquote. The data was used to bolster the claim that Alpha Bank had contracts uh, contacts with the Trump organization. Now, Sussman then requested and received a personal meeting with FBI General Counsel James Baker in September of 2016 to discuss the findings. So he goes running to the FBI, right? Sussman said that he did not request any client or represent any client. And he came out of this deep personal concern about the Alpha Bank data, right? <laughs> he turned over the collection of data and a white paper he had written concerning the the dot, uh, you know, connecting the dots between Russia and Trump, uh, just out of, out of his own conscience, not representing anybody, right? <laughs> the the agents opened an investigation, and then promptly closed it. <laughs> the FBI's investigation revealed that the email server at issue was not owned or operated by the Trump organization, but rather had been administrated by a, a mass marketing email company that, that sent advertisements for Trump's hotels and hundreds of other clients. And this is actually what Durham wrote. Now, Joffe seemed to privately acknowledge that he had found no scandal. He he told his team that these connections to Russia amounted to a red herring because the company in question was a legitimate part of the marketing world. But his employees already knew the, the futility of their work. One of his partners, identified by the investigative journalist uh, Paul Sperry uh, as, as lead researcher Manos uh, Antonakis, of the Georgia Institute of Technology publicly documented the 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 viciousness of, of the of their work the only thing that this is a quote the only thing that drives us at this point is that we just do not like Trump this will not fly in the eyes of public public scrutiny is what he wrote in an email obtained by by Durham but Joffe also seemed not to care. I mean, he told his researchers their work will, quote, give the base of a very useful narrative. Of course it would. <laughs> the, the existence of a mere hypothesis would satisfy the campaign because it, it could trigger a broader investigation into Trump and, and that an investigation itself constitutes a win. Joffe's goal was to support and inference and and narrative regarding trump and and that would please certain vips wrote durham now joffe may have found himself motivated by the the con continual promise of money and power in a hillary clinton white house uh, in in november 
Joffe admitted, quote, I was tentatively offered the top cybersecurity job by the Democrats when it looked like they'd win. I definitely would not have taken the job under Trump, unquote. One is left to read between the lines that Joffe may have hired Sussman to, to help elect Clinton as president in 2016 so that he could take a government cybersecurity position in her administration. Uh, of course, not beyond the reach of what we already know the Clintons do. Um, Michael Sussman also had a financial incentive to keep the, the research going. And during documents that Sussman billed his meetings on the Alpha Bank issue to the Clinton campaign as a general political advice. <laughs> Joffe's employees apparently had enough loyalty or blind fear uh, not to divulge much of their methods to the investigators. Durham uh, revealed in an April 15th legal filing that he had to offer immunity to a witness in July of 2021 because at least five other witnesses who con uh, conducted a work on the Alpha Bank issue invoked or indicated their intent to invoke their right against self-incrimination under the Fifth Amendment. Now, while morally dubious, Durham has not charged uh, that, that any of this behavior broke the law. That changed when Sussman met with the FBI by claiming he represented no client. Remember, we were just talking about that. Durham says that Sussman broke U.S. Code 1001, which makes it illegal for a citizen to lie to a law officer and carries a penalty of five years in prison. On September 16th of last year, Durham filed a 27-page indictment against Sussman for one count of making a material false, fictitious, and fraudulent statement to the FBI. We covered that right here on this podcast. And in his defense, Sussman le uh, Sussman's legal team Question Durham's uh, evidence. Sussman's report remarks uh, came during the, the, the conversation, quote, for which there is no recording and for which there is no uh, contemporaneous notes by anyone who, who was actually in the meeting, unquote. It, it, they, they said that adding if, if, if he did lie, then it would be immaterial to the investigation. But Durham produced a smoking gun. So he, he kind of saw this coming. And in April, revealing that the, the night before his FBI meeting, Sussman texted this to Baker. Quote, Jim, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time sensitive and sensitive I need to discuss. Do you have availability? for a short meeting tomorrow. I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company, want to help the Bureau. Thanks, unquote. Okay, so Durham said Sussman's lie was material because it misled the FBI general counsel and other FBI person, personnel concerning the political nature of his work and deprived the FBI of information that might have permitted it more fully um, to access and uncover the, the origins and the, and the relevant data. In other words, had Sussman admitted that he came to the office on behalf of Donald Trump's chief political rival? Well, the FBI might have taken his allegations with a grain of salt at that point. Now, media outlets began to, to nibble on the story. The, the Clinton campaign raised it publicly, publicly as 
um, as an October surprise. Computer, quote, computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank, unquote. This actually was a tweet from Hillary Clinton just eight days before the 2016 election. Uh, coincidentally, that was Halloween. <laughs> After the election, uh, allegations of Trump-Russia collusion quickly became one of the biggest media feeding frenzies of the decade. Newscasts from the three major uh, broadcast TV networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, spent, get this, 2,202 minutes covering the alleged Russian collusion scandal during the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency. Now, that's not counting CNN and MSNBC, which course was like 24 7 this the campaign chose not to back off of the alpha bank story either since the fbi did uh, did not pan out sussman took an updated batch of data to the cia in february of 2017 the cia concluded sussman's information was not technically plausible <laughs> and it did not withstand technical scrutiny um it, it's they, they said that it contains gaps, it conflicted with itself, and was user-created and not machine-tool-generated. And this is what Durham wrote in an April 15th legal filing. Although Durham uh, has said Sussman lied about his employment status to the CIA as well, Durham allowed the five-year statute of limitations to run out without indicting him on that. Michael Sussman's trial began Monday. And it's kind of an interesting one to follow. Uh, it's it. I don't think you're going to get to see it on TV um, or anything like that. Of course, you know, it's funny how you know we see some things, uh, some trials, and then not others. And it's kind of interesting that we don't. They're not covering this, but that's definitely um, not something you're going to see on there. You're just going to have to cover it uh, and see it covered by uh, outlets such as this podcast here. Now, where does the Steele dossier fit into this picture? Well, while many people know the names of Christopher Steele, few know the man who provided such, you know, much of the Steele dossier's content. Igor Danachenko is his name, and he is a U.S.-based Russian citizen who formerly worked at the left-of-center Brookings Institute. Danachenko had been introduced to Steele by Fiona Hill, and and when Steele got the the contract from Fusion GPS to create an anti-Trump opposition research file, Steele tapped Danchenko to fill in the details. <laughs> it was reportedly Danchenko who wrote uh, the dossier's most outlandish claims, such as the allegation that during a trip to Moscow, you may have heard this, future President Trump hired Russian prostitutes to urinate on a hotel bed where Barack and Michelle Obama had slept. Well, he also said that he sourced the allegation that there were communications ongoing between the Trump campaign and Russian officials and that the Kremlin might be of help in getting Trump elected, Durham wrote. The FBI made the dossier, uh, which allegedly re reflected Danicheko's uh, and an internal part of its four successful uh, applications for uh, FISA warrants. I mean, th this is really something that's that tr should be very troubling. Uh, is is this was the integral part of these successful applications for FISA warrants to survey Trump aide Carter Page? 
based on the dossier, the FBI wrote of a well-developed conspiracy of coordination between the Trump campaign and the Russian leadership because Vladimir Putin, quote, feared Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I kind of doubt that, but I don't know what judge bought that one. But but, but Danichenko had uh, produced little research. Un- under questioning, Danichenko admitted the dossier contents came from hearsay and conversations he had with friends over beers. Danichenko based his information on... Um, on conversations with at least one childhood friend and a former employer, Durham wrote. Even at that, Durham wrote, Danicheko would not divulge the complete lack of substance that went into his infamous DNC dossier. Danicheko repeatedly told federal agents that he based part of his report on a tip from an anonymous source he believed to be a Russian-American business leader. Instead, much of his report came from PR specialist and longtime Clinton family confidant Charles Dolan Jr. Near the beginning of his stint, Danichenko told Dolan he was working on a project against Trump, unquote. Dolan, who had ties to the Clinton's uh, presidential campaign since 1992, happily provided many tales that made their way into the dossier somehow, right? Like, uh, like uh, Jaffe, some of Danicheko's Russian subsources appeared to have financial or career motivations as well. Hmm. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Durham quoted an email one subsource sent to another in Russian saying, quote, when PR executive I and others take take me off to the State Department to handle issues of the former USSR, then we'll see who is looking good and who is not. <laughs> On November 3rd of, of 2021, Durham issued a 39-page indictment against Danicheko, charging him with five counts of making false statements to federal investigators. The Ru- Russian uh, could face a, a fine of up to five years in prison for each of the five uh, counts. Igor Danicheko's trial is currently scheduled to begin on October 11th of 2022. Uh, the Durham indictments and associated filings, uh, legal filings, appear to show political operatives willing to orchestrate smear campaigns. I mean, it's obvious. They they gain access to private data and taxpayer uh, taxpayer expense they exploit these resources to carry out their political agendas uh, on on the public dime and they 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 contact the media to place a story cite the story to justify a federal investigation and then use the investigation to to drive the negative news narrative for weeks and months to come in in, in incestuous personal and political relationship forged in washington it becomes exceedingly difficult to discern who is you know, deceiving and who is being deceived. Thus far, Durham's report exposed how the bureaucratic forces, some label as, as the deep state, and the, the legacy media work in symphony, especially when targeting their common enemies. The the emails that Durham has has just uncovered, and just just the few that 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 we've we've been able to see clearly outline the entire conspiracy that this was actually said by um, Devin Nunes, um, who's who's a representative from California. And and he said, quote, the question is, can the the, the dirty cops, the, the Clinton campaign, 
the people in the, the DNC, can they escape like rats off a ship? He continues. Are they willing to spend time in jail or cover up for each other? And we'll see. And, and we'll see what happens in the investigation into the Bidens, too. Uh, from Tim Pierce, uh, he, he says that as the tax fraud investigation into Hunter Biden de- uh, develops, author and investigative journalist Peter Schweitzer believes the worst case scenario for President Joe Biden is if the case goes to trial. <laughs> Schweitzer, the best-selling author of Clinton Cash, which provides a deep uh, dive into the Clinton family um, financial dealings, uh, spoke about the ongoing federal investigation uh, into Biden's son, Hunter. The FBI and IRS are investigating Hunter for years of unpaid taxes and business dealings overseas, some of which took place while his father served as vice president. Uh, The question is, what is the Biden approach here? Clearly, Hunter Biden has legal troubles. He owed t- back taxes, and there are going to probably be some, some legal consequences for that. Uh, Schweitzer said that the outcome of the investigation may be less of a problem for Biden's family than, than what could come after. Hunter Biden being on trial for tax fraud? Well, President Biden will likely go to great lengths to keep any potential charges from heading to trial. Is, and that's that's what Schweitzer said. Um, since since the op- opening of the investigation, over $2 million of Hunter's back taxes have reportedly been paid off. However, it, they haven't been paid off by him. According to the New York Post, his sugar brother, <laughs> Kevin Morris, he's, he's a Hollywood lawyer, and he fitted the bill for him. The $2 million sum that is believed to have been paid off is more than twice the amount of tax liability that was originally reported by Schweitzer. Um, misreporting could be a, a result of, of spin, you know, close to the Bidens, uh, that the tax liability actually may be more than, than what, what is, what's been reported um, uh, on, on whether Hunter's tax troubles may eventually implicate President Biden. Schweitzer said that the outcome is unclear. Hunter Biden uh, connected uh, foreign funds, or he collected foreign funds, but he he was also paying some of his father's bills, some of his monthly bills, but also special payments like renovations to Joe Biden's home in Delaware. Um, Schweitzer said, now certainly you're allowed to, to give gifts, but only to a certain threshold. And it seems that they crossed that fresh threshold. <laughs> a laptop belonging to Hunter and left at a computer repair shop in, in April of 2019 contained messages suggesting that the pres- President Biden has profited from the business deal, deal struck by his family members, including Hunter. In 2019, Hunter reportedly wrote in an email to his, his daughter, Naomi, that Pop had laid claim to half of his salary. He wrote this. He says, quote, I hope you can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. But don't worry. Unlike Pop, I don't make you give me half your salary, unquote. Schweitzer said that Biden also um, owe back taxes on, on federal gifts he received from his son. Now, more troubling than the allegations of tax fraud are the implications of striking deals with a Chinese business businessman. Uh, and Hunter Biden pursued a number of deals in China. We've covered this on the podcast as well. 
and 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 he also has pursued uh, business deals with entities he partially controlled, receiving millions of dollars from the Chinese energy conglomerate, the CEFC, and its executives. Um, I, I, you know, the the bigger issue for me is who actually was providing the funds from overseas when it comes to China. You can look at the emails uh, and, and you can identify the four businessmen that transferred millions of dollars to Hunter Biden. They all have ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence, which makes this, in my mind, a serious national security question. Not just a question of whether he paid taxes on that income. And, 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 and I think that that warrants further investigation. Um, I think I think we should investigate even more of that, and I think you're going to see that in the coming days ahead. Um, we we at this podcast will be covering the results of these two investigations, even if the media will not. We we do it here. Um, we 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 think that this is important, and just because it doesn't fit a certain narrative, <laughs> we're going we're going to cover it anyway. And uh, and so uh, you you know you can tell me uh, what you think uh, on on both of these two things. You you may not think that this is a, a big deal at all. Either one of these two things, uh, I think it is, but you may not. And 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 I would still love to hear what you think about that. You know, tell me why you don't think. That we should be covering this type of thing or tell me why you think yeah we definitely need to be covering this kind of thing on the podcast um you can go to our facebook page you can go to our instagram uh, mewe pages you know, give us a like if you would that would be great it helps us out or you can just simply go to uncommonsensepodcast.com thank you very much for listening this podcast is a production of organite communications